We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 166. Scott, cheers. This is a live, in-person podcast. We're actually going on Periscope now as well. We're going to... This is the first time we've done it since spring training. Right. We've only done it at spring training. And it was a... It was a complete shit show the last time. Well, it was a complete shit show the first time. The second time, audio not so good, video not so good, but right. we got it done. We got it done. Um, you're in Boston. I'm in Boston. We figured let's make this work. I just came from the office. Uh, you told me that you're near Fenway Park. Dude, you can see Fenway Park from your window. I wasn't lying. That's I sacrilegious. Can, I can literally throw a rock <laughs> and hit Fenway. There's dudes parking like right on the street for 50 bucks to go to the game. We're doing a Yankees podcast within like visible sight of Fenway Park. There's a Boston poster back here. This is a shit show, but it's not in my apartment. <laughs> I don't pick the thing. It's not a Red Sox. It's not a Red Sox poster. It's just a Boston, the city of, right. which I got nothing against the city of Boston. I got something against their baseball team uh, and their football teams, which unfortunately <laughs> you like. But um, yeah, no, the city's actually been good to me. I've had, I, I did a, a live Instagram the other day of walking. I have a commute from here to uh, the hospital pretty much every day I walk. It's about a 15-minute walk. And every day I gear out in all my Yankee stuff. I was going to say that. I love your, your rocking the Unleash the Kraken. Yeah, I got my... I, got I saw my, you uh, with the Rebuild the Empire shirt on. I got a brand new Yankee hat, nice and shiny, with the biggest emblem I could find. <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been good. It's been a good walk, too, every time. As many people know, I've lived in Boston for seven years. Never felt weird about rocking Yankee gear. But now I feel like, as we talked about last episode... That might start to change and people will give you shit again for wearing Yankees gear because I think the hatred is coming back. 
It's been long enough. Everything, every Jeter was going out. Ortiz was going out. There were a bunch of farewell tours. Puke, but whatever. All that's in the past now. A-Rod's no longer there. He was the most hated Yankee for Red Sox fans. Ortiz is no longer there. He was the most hated Red Sox for Yankees fans. Now there's some young blood we can all hate. They can hate Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge. We can hate Benintendi and Betts and all those guys. It's great. And we still hate all the, all the, the veterans like Hanley Ramirez, that scumbag. Hanley Ramirez is, is awful. Pedroio, I kind of wish Pedroio was still in the mix. He seems to be hurt every yeah. other day now. Uh, but I always enjoyed hating him because he was a he was he was a guy that would always be that just that thorn in the side forever. I actually had a lot, some respect. He was one of the guys that I respected because of I think his stature and everything he comes. He's a pretty ugly dude too, which I probably was rough through hideous, life. Hideous, hideous. Yeah. Ugly. So I mean, he had to be good at something. Baseball was the one. He was clutch. He's short. Good for him. I kind of was like, okay, you know. Yeah. Like, if uh, he wasn't I hated when he was up because I was scared of him. <laughs> but I, I had some respect. But yes, the rivalry is. Definitely feeding back into it. I can definitely. I mean, I'm walking through. I have a blanket for my son that I put on the uh, on the bed, and it's got a huge Yankee logo on it. And every single person that walks in there, like, what is this? And I'm constantly getting a lot of shit for for wearing the Yankee hat. And uh, but to tell you the truth, it's been a lot of good ribbing back and forth. I've met some people that are diehard Yan- uh, Red Sox fans, and we've just you know we've had some good arguments basically about baseball, and that's awesome. Yeah. No, it's coming back, and it was evident over the weekend. As we already said on the last episode, but I think you and I were both in like a delirious state when we were recording after that Sunday night baseball game. You just told me before we started, we pressed record, that you don't even remember what you said because you were half (laughs) asleep. I was pissed off. Like, I was watching the game going on. Chapman was out there walking guys in the 10th inning. Like, so it didn't really process with me how much fun that weekend was, but also how devastating that weekend was to have lost, like, they come back on Friday night. Right. They win a game, they pull it out of their ass, you didn't think they're going to win that game, and then you're like, we've got Severino going mm. tomorrow. This is this is great, we're going to at least win two Our out of three. Ace. Our ace is going tomorrow, before their ace goes in Chris Sale, this is, we got this in Who the bag. Who we're 2-0 against, just saying. Right. I mean, we've done it before, it's happened. Severino shits the bed. Completely then, shits the bed. But Monty steps up. Yes, he does. Monty steps up, he keeps them in that game, the Yankees scratch and claw. Classic what they used to do against Pedro. They never hit Pedro, but they also were always in the game against Pedro, and they'd knock him out sixth, seventh inning. They'd get to the bullpen. They'd win it three to two. That was a classic, like late '90s, early 2000s win against Pedro, and that's what it was shaping up to be on Sunday night until Chapman gives up the home run. So there's one, there's something that that's really bothering me. That's still, it's been a, it's a Girardi thing. It's been a Girardi thing forever. I was calling for it after Ben Attendee hit the second home run off of Luis Severino because Severino was practically giving him the inside of the plate. It was really pissing me off, the fact that they didn't go after. And I'm not saying that you have to hit the guy because you don't have to hit the guy. But what you do have to do is you have to establish yourself as a dominant ace pitcher, and that's your plate. Establish the inside of the corner so that you can throw that slider on the inside of the corner, and they're not sitting all over it and waiting for it. Right. You, throw a, you throw a fastball at the hands, not doesn't need to be at the head, doesn't even need to be at the body. Right. But at the hands, they will back up, and there's a little bit of a question then at that point when they see 99 buzz under their chin. You don't need to go full rage like Clemens used to no. and throw up Piazza's head. It's not necessary. Like but you can knock a guy on his ass. No, and no. if it comes to hitting him, just drill him in the middle of the bat. Yeah. Like, no one has a problem with that. Exactly. And again, you don't have to hit them. People were giving me shit about like hitting the, the guy like, oh, I'm not going to do it's, that's, it's not the point. The point is controlling the at-bat. If Severino wants to be that guy and be this dominant ace for a long time, especially in, in, a, 
in a, in a hard-fought rivalry with the Yankees, Red Sox, and the AL East, you got to show a little bit of freaking attitude when you're going up against your rival. And especially when a dude comes up and already takes you deep yeah. for a three-run shot. Benintendi is shaping up to be one of my most hated Red Sox of all time. Because he's got that, like, pretty boy look. He's got the flowing hair. And I just know I'm going to hate his fucking guts. The, the one thing, it's, is it him and Mookie who do the little dumbass patty yeah, cake they, thing? No, the they, they do the Michael Jackson, like, thriller. Oh, is that what it is? I just see patty field. cake. I didn't even know it was a whole thing. <laughs> I saw them, like, slapping hands. I thought it was, like, a... I don't know. It's terrible. I think we yeah. talked about this in the last one, actually. I just... I don't remember talking about it as much. Right. Well, what, what I'm saying We're basically is, recapping what we did at the last episode. Like episode. About this. So, like, what we didn't realize was going on was our boy Joe's McFly going viral. On Sunday night, with that's his, awesome. With his reaction of the, I Chapman saw him on uh, Periscope too. So shout out to Joe. That's that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He, he was one of our first listeners, one of our first yeah. followers of Bronx Pinstripe. So I I thought it was awesome and hilarious at the same time. He handled it like a champ. Yeah. Because he was getting killed by Red Sox fans, and then he does it like he goes and last night when Chapman, Chapman gives up the home run, he's got another fan reaction video. The dude's on Sports Center this morning, <laughs> like. All over the place, but it just, like, ripped. Like, I watched that video, because I didn't go back on Twitter after we recorded. Yeah. Once we were done recording, I'm like, screw this. I'm it was almost 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it was 1 o'clock in the morning. I don't, I'm done with Yankees for the night. I wake up in the morning, and I watch his video, and just the guts ripped out of him on that reaction. It, it's what we all felt. Like, that is why sports are awesome. Yes. Because you, it's it's an emotional game. roller coaster. It's an emotional roller coaster. You're in that game, and it's not even a playoff game. It's just a game against the Red Sox. Rivalry week. We're buying into rivalry week. Hey. But yeah, your guts are ripped out. That's why it's awesome. The the thing I think a lot of people don't realize about him and those videos is he does those videos all the time. Right. And the like, it's not like he was doing it the second time just because of the first one. Like he does them all the time. He's got a YouTube channel. He does a he's you know he's constantly videotaping and doing the Yankee games and such. So it's not like this is something new to him. The dude is an emotional dude. I mean, we <laughs> met him at the outing. He was uh, sitting with us in the in the in the uh, in right field. So he's an emotional Yankee fan, and I think we can absolutely relate to that. Hell because yeah. he, just, he just so happened to catch it on camera. That's how we started doing this podcast. Is because I was sick, wanted of, to talk I was sick of yelling at my TV. I figured I'd yell at you. Yeah, it's yeah. better that way. Um. But the Yankees bounce back after that horrible loss to the Red Sox. They bounce back, and they won the first two games against the Mets. We're recording, obviously, before the game at Citi Field, the first game. But that's what the Yankees needed to do. The Mets are struggling. They've sold their entire team. Jay Bruce is gone. Addison Reed is gone. They gave up on the season. You have to pound the Mets, and that's what, so far, the Yankees are doing. Yeah, they got to take advantage of this. I mean, set aside the fact that they're the Mets, the fact that it's a Subway Series, and, and uh, don't let uh, you know. I'm glad they didn't get all caught up in that nonsense. What they are is a mediocre team coming into New York, into Yankee Stadium, uh, with, with a you know they need to take care of that that job. That job needs to get done because you can't be losing too many games right now, especially the way that the Red Sox are winning. The fact that they took two out of three, and the fact that we have this coming weekend uh, a giant series now, which it's what's two in two weeks we have six games. Uh, so it's this weekend and then Labor Day weekend, I believe, back at the stadium. So that's well, a that's, huge that's set. essentially three weeks, ten and games. Three weeks, including this last one. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, you got to take care of business right now so that you can set yourself up to put yourself in a better position against the Red Sox because that's the team you got to beat because they're not going to lose a lot of games in the stretch. I don't feel like the Red Sox are unbeatable, though. They're a very beatable team. I don't. I mean, they might be better than the Yankees, but I don't think it's by a lot. I think what we saw early on was that their offense was not doing well. Right, at their offense all. was clicking. It was, it was nothing, clicking. and 
And now you're seeing, you know, they're, they're gap-to-gap guys. They don't hit a ton of home runs, no. but they hit the ball out of the park enough. And you're starting to see those numbers climb from, I mean, early in the season, they were, I think, dead last for a while in home runs. And now you're starting to see Hanley hit the ball out. Freaking Benatendi obviously hits the ball out. But these guys are fast, uh, and they can, they can score runs on you pretty quickly. Other than Sale... Who though in that rotation are you like? Oh shit, we gotta we gotta face this guy. Porcello, like Port. I'm no, not Porcello. scared if Porcello takes the mound. David Price is injured, so I mean, you got. Um, I'm not scared Pom- of David Price. Pomeranz, Eduardo Rodriguez, like. Well, apparently guys- Eduardo Rodriguez is Sandy Koufax. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing: when he comes this, out, he was filthy against them. This is a common trend with the Yankees, and Rafael Montero for the Mets on Monday shut them down for a few innings. That dude has six ERA coming into the game. Dating back to, like, earlier in the month, they faced Jordan Zimmerman, who had a mediocre 5 ERA, Annabelle Sanchez for Detroit, who also sucked, Trevor Bauer, who can't stop fiddling with drones, and, like, that's the guy that shuts you down. Yeah, he's fingering his drones, and, like, that's the guy (laughs) that shuts you down? You gotta be kidding me. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, apparently they are playing to their pitching competition, and that's what we did talk about that. extremely frustrating. And how they play to their competition, and, you know, it's... It's, like, it's, it's kind of those uh, along the same lines of the trend of whenever we see a pitcher for the first time. I mean, that dates back like five or six years, I feel like, as far as I can remember back, actually. But that was a classic Yankees when they were the veteran Yankees. They right. couldn't hit a rookie. But they're still the Yankees. It's still happening. It's, it's the, still same the same uniform. Freaking, it's the same pinstripes. Same brass, too. Same brass, too. <laughs> There's only Brett Gardner in the lineup that was ever in But that. one of the guys that is exactly the same dude that is uh, at the helm, and that's another thing that we talked about. And honestly, he's becoming more and more on my shit list is Joe Girardi. I mean, he's becoming one of those guys now that to me, you need to, he's not making a significant difference in any other way. I mean, it doesn't look like he's preparing these guys in a different way. Obviously, they're not ready for these pitchers that are mediocre. They're not, they're not being able to uh, expose them for what they are. So, so I, I don't know what that is. And you know, I understand you say a lot of that has to go to the player. No doubt about it. They swing the bat. They throw the ball. But you need to be prepared as well. And it's also the way you get prepared. And I think that is on the coaching staff. What was, like, the one thing that we said we were excited for Drury for? It was that he has a young team finally, yes. right? Like, he worked well with the Marlins when he had a young team. And we're right. like, okay, he, he won his championship with the Yankees, but that was a bought-and-paid-for team that was full of veterans. Like, I could have won the World Series with that team. They this were, is a they team were dominant. But this was a team, starting last August, was a team he could actually, like, get down and dirty with and, like, start to mold yeah. these guys. It looked like through June of this year... It was working very well. It was well. working perfectly. And then they started to skid, and nothing. Like he didn't do anything to change, like right. change the momentum. He didn't shake anything up. Judge has been in the three hole for the entire since since the second half started, and the dude can't buy a hit. I mean, he struck out now tied Adam Dunn's record for strikeouts in a in a consecutive game streak. Like he has not done anything to shake up the lineup. I know coaches can only do so much. Girardi's not out there pitching. Girardi's not out there swinging the bat. But he's the one who can be like, okay, what I've done for three straight weeks isn't working. How about I try something different? It's not in the binder. There's there's no uh, there's no chapter for him to there's no blank chapter for him to write as he goes. So there's it's no chapter. Written. There's it's no chapter written. that says we're going to struggle. The, all the chapters are we're going to always win. Yeah, that's it. Well, no, there is a chapter for uh, if we struggle, and it's stay the course. It's one page. It says stay the course. They'll get through it. Back of the baseball. My guys, my, yeah, my guy. I know he'll hit. Chappie's one of the best. Chappie's going to be dominant again. That's how Chappie does. Chappie's a dominant closer. He's going to be a dominant closer again. That's stay the course. 
it's in the binder for, for that. But there's no, there's no ad-libbing. There's no going out there and, and trying something different because it just doesn't happen. Joe Girardi is too textbook. Well, I understood that when he had a bunch of veterans that he didn't try something different. Like, but it was be, for, because they were veterans, too. Right, no, and no. you don't want to piss people off because they had tenure and they had too much honor in moving him down out 100%. of the two-hole. or 100%. But what, like, what does he owe these rookies? What does he owe? We all love Aaron Judge, but what is... Girardi owe Aaron Judge Nothing. to keep him in the three hole. He doesn't. If you're not producing, go down to the sixth hole. And if you don't produce there, ride the bench. And guess who's going to be mad about that? Nobody on that team. You oh, think Aaron Judge is oh, gonna, on the no, team? On the team. No. You think Aaron team, no. Judge is going to is going to balk at getting dropped down? He'll probably be like, "Yeah, I should have been dropped down two weeks ago." Like Didi's been their best hitter in the second half. Yeah. Didi probably should have been batting third for the last two. Weeks. Well, for his credit, he has moved Didi. He's up. moved up. He's been he's, batting. He's clean definitely up. moved up. But Didi's not a cleanup. Like I, I also hate like his left, right, up, left, right cleanup hitter. Yeah. Like what does that mean? Like in lineups today, it's like whoever is hitting, you go up. Like well, we had Gary Sanchez like, hitting in the two spot, and uh, like the Schwarber's um, hitting the leadoff yeah, spot, and Bautista hits leadoff for yeah. the Blue Jays. It's so, all like, changed. It's a shit show. But Joe Madden has completely screwed baseball's uh, the, the the normal thing of baseball, and I was following suit. I was defending Judge in the three hole for a long time, and I was holding on for dear life by a thread. It doesn't need to be a couldn't... quick trigger. There's no doubt. It doesn't need well, to be a quick trigger. It hasn't been a quick. But trigger. that's what I'm saying. Like you're you're defending him early on. Like no yeah. problem staying there. But after a while, after a certain amount of time, and again, I think this goes back to the eye test and just seeing how a guy is struggling and knowing your guy, then just dropping him down. The other side of that is what we also talked about is does that make a damn difference no. on dropping him down to get him going? No, it's not about the player. It's about the team. It's about the lineup. It's about the, how the lineup is going to turn over. Judge is going to need to figure his stuff out by doing extra work and, and getting his mind right. But he doesn't need to kill the team while he's doing that. Right. Oh, I agree. I, and I think, I think that if you do send him down, it's you know sending a little bit of a message saying, hey, you do have to earn the spots, even if you had a ridiculous first half. Send him down even the lineup, not send him down. Not the AAA. Yeah. Send him down the lineup. <laughs> Knock him down a few spots well, in the Well, Schwarber went down to AAA. Yeah, not happening. Uh, we have too many guys going back and forth. We don't need Aaron Judge <laughs> to do that, too. Even though some he, people on Twitter He can't fit on that. the shuttle. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, dropping down does no harm. It really does no harm. I wish I got another beer before we started recording. We didn't think about that. No, we didn't think about that. Chad Green comes in and is his dominant self. Um, I don't know, like, the bullpen, and I know we're going to get into this later. We've got Dom coming on to do a stat segment later, and he's going to get into some bullpen numbers. It went so well. Dom did such a good job <laughs> that we're bringing him back. But the bullpen has been filthy other than, it's like everything the bullpen was designed to be until you get to your $86 million man. I mean, this is exactly what we were just talking about. Girardi not budging from his freaking binder and the way he does something. This is an absolute... First of all, the bullpen has been... Chad Green, like you were talking about, this guy has been a revelation for this team. I mean, he's really been a savior. Think about when the, when the team was struggling, when, that, when the bullpen was terrible in July... Chad Green was the only guy was that only was actually guy. doing anything and helping the team He'd out. He'd go so, two innings every time out yeah. and just strike and out like four guys. And he, be. So he's absolutely turned a corner and he has a, you know, a, a very significant role in the bullpen moving forward um, for years to come, in my opinion. I think this guy is, is going to be a, a lock in that bullpen for a long time. Well, that's why I, I tweeted this last night, that the Yankees have four closer caliber relievers other than Chapman. Yeah. There's no reason to keep running out Chapman if it's not working. Other than the contract, other than that he's dubbed the closer, that's the only you're thing that's there. You're trying to win. You're trying to make the playoffs. I'm like, with you. You have Robertson, who was closed for a long time, and I think he's the logical tonight. choice. And I think he's going. Well, he's the closer tonight because 
Chapman and Batances aren't available. But you have Robertson, who was your closer, and then closed for a long time and has been great since he comes. He was the closer we went or he was in the back of the bullpen. Yeah, couple couple stats. He's a 1.32 ERA in 13.2 innings pitch since coming back to the Yankees. Yeah, welcome so home, D. Rob. He can be a closer. You've got Batances, who, despite what Randy Levine says, can be a closer. Yes, he can. You've got Chad Green, who I don't know if he can handle it mentally, but stuff-wise, he could be a closer. You've got Adam Warren, who, like, maybe not be a traditional closer, but if he needs to go out and save a game, I'm not shitting my pants. No. And, Why? And you're missing a, you're missing a guy. Canely. Tommy Canely, who's in, who's, who is, uh, has one of the highest um, walk-to-strikeout ratios or walk-to-innings, whatever it is, in the major leagues. I mean, this guy has been phenomenal since he's come over. He's had a breakout year. He could absolutely slide in there. He seems like he's one of the guys with like some freaking nuts on him. I mean, he just he just feels like one of those guys that you can rely on. It's going to go and throw BBs. You've got closers hanging from a tree. Like you can pick them off and just put them in the ninth inning. There's no reason to keep running. Ch- it's not like they have nobody else and they need chat. It's not like if Mariano ever struggled like this, you'd be like, well, obviously we're not moving Mariano. Chapman is not Mariano. Right. They have guys behind. Well, he's paid. He is Mariano in the sense that he's gotten the contract, and that's why they're saying this. They they're not playing. They're not starting Jacoby Ellsbury, and he's making a boatload of money. Why are we hitting on him? He just he just <laughs> hit a home run. He just hit a home run. But you know what I'm saying? Like they they have no excuse to keep running Chapman out there if it's not working. Other than egg on face. I have a giant. How contract. much egg? How much egg is on your on his face? If he if ninety million, how, what's the contract? <laughs> Eighty six million. Eighty six million. So, look, yeah, I agree. Phantom injury. I think phantom injury would be the route. And he limped off the field. last He did, night. but after in the even in the post game interviews, he's like, it's nothing. I'm, I'm, he laughed when they said he right. didn't miss it. But, that, but I then Girardi was like, oh, but but, yeah, but, but the lower half is very important. And if your lower half is not perfect. Right. Then things can struggle on top it's of classic, that. It's classic, like, it'd be like Bill Belichick, what he puts on his injury reports, just lower yeah. half of the body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, broken kneecap. Right. No, it's uh, it's definitely, look, the guy is is struggling. The, the one thing I will say about him struggling is, we mentioned as one of the guys who can be uh, in that role, in that ninth inning role, is Ellen Batantis. Well, he also, after before the All-Star break, and then just after the All-Star break, was freaking terrible. Could not throw a strike. Could not do anything. We were calling for his head as well. Yep. And he figured it out. Yeah. So Girardi is right, I think, to a point in the sense that these guys will figure it out eventually. I do believe Chapman will be fine eventually. But send a message at least. Send a message that you're not going to tolerate struggling as much as you do. Throw the ball over the plate. Do you feel confident when Chapman comes in? No. No, hell no. But I didn't feel confident when Batantis came in either. I was like, oh, here we go again. I had like a still like I... But Batances would still go out there and, like, strike out the side, even if he was, like, walking people. And we have, again, we have stats that back up what we're saying that we'll get to in, in a few minutes with Dom. But Chapman, the nuts and bolts of it is he's not getting the same swings and misses. Right. That's and, a and problem. That's a, that's a big problem. And he was throwing – he, get, he gets a little slider happy now, and we saw what happened there. Batances at the least – yeah, he would walk people, and that's infuriating, but then he would strike out the side in that inning. He would still be able to get guys to swing and miss – so I still had confidence, like, okay, he just needs to, like, figure his control stuff out. Chapman might just be hittable at this point. I don't know. Um, your boy, Aaron Hicks, has come back from the DL and been a nice spark plug for the Yankees. I, I, I labeled him a godsend on Twitter. You were not confident in him coming back. Because I said, this was back when Clint Frazier was healthy. Well, the Yankees have Frazier, Hicks... Uh, Ellsbury Gardner Judge and you were like well we don't know Aaron Hicks I'm not buying Aaron Hicks like he might suck when he comes back yeah I mean the batting average isn't there but he's got two homers he's made three great plays in the outfield yes 
He looks like the player he did when he was went down in June, which is pretty crazy because he missed six weeks. No, it's true. And I think what the well, one, I'm just I'm very hesitant to, to buy into a guy that was just as bad as he was, and then to to give me half of the I don't know I just I didn't buy it. I didn't believe it. I didn't I believe my own eyes. I don't blame you. But at the same time, what I think what what pushed me to that was towards the end, uh, before he was put on the DL, he really was struggling. I mean, if you remember, he was batting what 320, 330, and that average dipped way down to in the 280s. At, and it, it was bad the last judge two know, weeks. Judge knows the feeling. Judge knows the feeling. Um, and and what what it could have been is it could have been an, an injury that was lingering. I mean, that very well could be. And maybe that was just you know showing me that it was fool's gold at that time. But look, am I complaining about it? Hell no. He's been phenomenal. The dude has been. I mean, the the throw to get Eduardo Nunez out at third was just. Amazing. I mean, like that well, was the greatest. But player. also, Nunez is an idiot. I'm so happy he did it. It was in the Herald because I see the freaking Boston papers up here saying that he'd do it again the next day. Was his comment afterwards? So Nunez. I hope he does. Yeah, I hope he does. I hope he does it every time. Um, but yeah, no, he's been phenomenal. He made that great play when he was uh, he was in center. I think made that play towards the wall. That was diving. Sunday night. Yeah, great play. And um, yeah, he's been hitting. I mean, he's hitting for power. You can tell the confidence is there. And I think that's huge with him. Pimped the shit out of the home run last night. It was Griffey-like. I mean, yeah. it did, he did drop the bat. It was like a yeah. nice little Not drop. Not last Monday night. And then a little stroll, a little, little walk down the line. He had nice. the bat drop like Griffey did. Yes. Yeah. I, saw I think someone Boone com- called that out, actually. I saw Griffey someone like. compare it to, to Griffey's swing. And Griffey is like the pinnacle of swings, though. Yes. Well, it was the end of it. It wasn't the full swing. It was just the, the kind of pip at the end. But look, the confidence is there. And I think we all know what a great golfer he is. And what a great <laughs> athlete Aaron Hicks is. And Aaron where'd talks you, about. Where did you hear that? Alex Rodriguez. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty yeah. good at baseball. He had it scripted in front of him, and yeah. he robotically told me that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, he's an athlete, and I think when this guy has the the confidence that he can play baseball at a high level, <laughs> I mean, maybe he believes it. So he needs to play every day right now. Yes. Judge has still been playing every day. Yes. Um, we don't agree with him batting in the three hole, but he's so right now the rotation is Judge and Hicks plus Gardner and Ellsbury. That's what it seems to be anyway, because Gardner's sitting tonight against the Mets. Yeah, it's interesting that Ellsbury is getting the. I mean, Ellsbury's been hot. Gardner's which, not been hot. Gardner's not been hot. Gardner Wait, gets Gardner, very hot, then up goes here, down, down then, here, up here, down here. So maybe for the last three weeks, when we need him the most, he's going to be on fire, and Ellsbury will fall away. Ellsbury, you know, he, he usually has like two weeks where he gets hot. Maybe twice during a season. He did it last year. Remember when there was the whole, uh, uh, what were we calling them? It was uh, chaos on the on the base path when when Gardner and Ellsbury for like the first two years ago when they were phenomenal yes. for the it was like three or three, three, or three weeks. weeks. There was a three week yeah. period in late April and early May. They were of awesome. Two thousand and fifteen. Yeah. When Brett Gardner and Jacoby Ellsbury were a dynamic duo. Yep. That's Woo! what. That's, that's what one hundred and fifty three million dollars gets you. Good job, Cashman. Hey. That's what it is. But now maybe we're seeing a little bit of a spurt. Look, I don't care. He hit a home run last night. That was probably the best thing he'll ever do. <laughs> uh, every time you bash Ellsbury, people always say that, hey, do, don't you remember that grand slam he hit in the 9-1 comeback against Baltimore? And I Great. say to that, no, I don't. Because all I remember is Castro down on one knee and, and Matt Holiday, Holiday getting doused with the Gatorade. I don't yeah. remember shit about Jacoby Ellsbury because he is the most forgettable player in Yankees history. Well, also because we want to forget about him as yes. well. I mean, the fact that we want to forget about this guy doesn't lend uh, well for him for us remembering any good moments. Because all we're going to do is talk about the bad ones when he's gone. Um, Gary Sanchez, since being benched, has actually turned it around. Dude loves August. Dude loves the end of the season. Right, yeah. Um, 341 with seven extra base hits since August 1, and we obviously know that last August he went on a tear as well. He got benched for his lackadaisical catching. 
He still can't squeeze a ball. Still can't squeeze he's a ball. Still, still, there's how many balls but, go past him? You, you know what I've too. noticed? At least he's in better position to like block the ball now. At least he's giving an effort. He wasn't giving an effort beforehand. I, dude, I don't know how the pitchers didn't just completely get on him for for doing. It's when the maybe when they he were. comes Who out. Knows? Maybe they were. I don't know. I feel like we would have heard about it. There would have been whispers of of, uh, of of some kind of discontent between the pitching staff and Sanchez. But, I mean, it got to a point where the guy was just, I mean, flat out terrible. And he's still not squeezing balls. I, I wonder what his frame rate is. I'd like to see what that is. Someone looked that up. Frame rate Gary Sanchez this year. I bet it's awful. I bet it's absolutely horrible. But the guy is hitting now. And, honestly, if he's hitting, every, a lot of that can be forgiven. Unless it costs you a game in a crucial situation, which it probably will at some point. <clears throat> well, here's the thing. I don't want to have to bench Gary Sanchez every time we want him to start producing. Because he right. was also in an offensive slump before he got benched. That's true. So, and, and don't you remember in the minors? He had attitude problems. Attitude problems when he was in Trenton. He got basically, like, slap on the wrist, Wasn't he, wasn't he held out of the Futures game? or Something, something yeah, like something Mateo, like that. Both of them had that. I think Mateo was held out of the Futures yeah. game. But Either Sanchez way. was essentially punished. And yeah. then he turned it around. We are we gonna have to punish Gary Sanchez every year to get him to focus? Is that like a thing? Well, every, I always think of this every time I see Sanchez when he's uh, when he's struggling or people are like talking about him. I always I don't know if you remember this video he had on Instagram when it was his birthday and he had the cake on the table and like everybody was dancing and everybody was like singing Happy Birthday and he's just sitting there like this. He's just like he's just like kicking back and be like like dance dance dance. I feel like that's how he, he's just, he, he expects people to do things for him. And he's like, I've been good my whole life. I'm probably going to be good for the rest of my life. Well, if I have some bad times, that's fine. If I don't try, that's fine. I think he's got to grow up still. I think he has some maturing to do. And I think that's what the biggest thing is. I thought his daughter had him grow up. That was the whole story Apparently, that his daughter is the reason he grew changed, up. Yeah, changed it. I mean, it does change you. It, I will, I can attest to that. I can actually speak to that. Right. It Look. does change your outlook on things because you have a, another human being eventually going to be looking up to you and, and looking at who you are and what you do. Maybe Sanchez needs to slip another one past the catcher to, <laughs> to refocus his life. Oh, That's I thought you were going to Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep, got it. Get a, get a girl pregnant. Yes, I understood. Saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, thought you were, I thought you meant that. Then I was thought you meant literally. Now I'm back with you. I think that might need to happen. Maybe <laughs> so, he needs a second one. Someone pop a hole in one of his condoms. Oh. <laughs> Gary Sanchez does not use condoms. Uh, last bit uh, before we end this part of the podcast is that we you stumbled upon some numbers on Tanaka oh, yeah. today. Oh, yeah. Yesterday. Yesterday. So since May 26th, Tanaka has a 3.99 ERA and a 47.6 ground ball rate, which is essentially what he was before. That's good Tanaka. Like good Tanaka yeah. numbers. And his last nine starts, a three ERA flat, 57 innings pitch, 60 Five strikeouts. Now, what was your reaction when you saw those numbers? I don't believe it. Someone doctored the numbers. <laughs> right. Fake that's, news. That's, my, my reaction was fake news. It was my reaction, too. I actually saw this on MLB Trade Rumors on one of their articles. I have not fact-checked it. I have not gone to Baseball Reference and fact-checked it. To me, that was good enough. It was, some, <laughs> it, was some, it was some proof that I had that he is not injured, that he just has fatigue. The guy has been phenomenal but as on. we're looking at it hold since on. May 26th. You didn't even believe the numbers when no. you saw them. So you were watching him pitch, and you didn't think he was a good pitcher. No, I thought he was uh, less than less than good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bad. Maybe the eye bad. test was was telling me that he wasn't. I mean, we we knew he was better than he was in the first month and a half. Okay, but he was anything, freaking awful. Yeah, anything is better than besides than that six start in runs Boston. in the one inning. Besides the start in Boston, right. which was 
strange. But uh, the numbers show he's been a very good pitcher yeah. in his last nine starts. Right. But the eye test shows he's been not a good pitcher. Like, I watch him pitch and I, I maybe it's just like... I'm scarred from his early starts or something like that. Well, but well, also, but he's been hit. Like I, I've seen him get hit. What I think he also did is he clustered the good. When you're looking at some of these, some of the really good starts, he had what 13, uh, 12 strikeouts, fifteen strikeouts. He was clustering strike, a lot uh, of that stuff. The uh, Tampa start. So when he was when he had a couple of good starts, like the dude went deep into the game, clustered them. So that could probably skew the numbers as well for right. when you're looking at the entire picture. So yeah, when you're looking at the overall thing, you're like, okay, that's strange. I, if I would have never guessed that he was at a three R, I wouldn't have guessed that he was below four. I am glad that there was three point nine nine because that helped my case. It looks better. That's bullshit. It's like see that you know what that is? That's payback for when he pitched one hundred and ninety nine. I knew you were going to say that. That's exactly what it is. A little bit of payback. A little bit of sweet payback. But um, but yeah, I mean, the numbers are saying that that now because of his fatigue that he is hurting the team. Where both of us actually agreed that it's eh. Not that big of a deal. When we saw it go across the bottom line that he was hurt, when we saw the news come in, I had a very similar reaction. Not the same. Similar reaction to the way I did with Michael Pineda. And well, they are very different pitchers. Would I rather have Tanaka pitching versus, like, Luis Sessa? Of course I'd rather have Tanaka pitching. But I still am not, like, I don't consider him to be one of their... Well, he's one of their top three pitchers. Is he? I mean, by default... Are we gonna say CC is? Because I don't know. They're, they're, they're the, both. They're, they're all in there. There's you, like a handful. Like throw some dice. Flip a coin between CC and Tanaka, in my opinion. Probably. And yeah. news on CC throwing again, coming back possibly. Maybe he's. Uh, maybe that injury was nothing. Maybe the fact that he said his knee felt the worst that it's felt in two years, three years. That that's a that's a good thing because I would have thought it would have been a much longer. When he said that to me, that was this dude calling himself out. My knee's bad. It, he's going to well, be. I think. It, I think because there was no structural damage beyond what was already damaged, he just blasted it with a bunch of painkillers, and he's going to go out there and until, it, up. until he can do that again. Yeah. Because at the end of that painkiller, when it well, I mean, when I that cortisone runs out, I think it probably will last until the end of the season, and we he might retire. Who knows? Yeah, it's he's true. got a, he's, he's got a podcast now. He's a competitor. He is a competitor. <laughs> Him and Russo. Uh, Tanaka though We'll see if he comes back healthy You say this proves he, He's been healthy I don't I'm, That doesn't prove shit Oh it proves health Complete He's, he's uh, averaging more than A strikeout per inning Healthy I don't think so Strong Not sad Strong Well, I think that about wraps it up For, for this segment Thank you guys for tuning in On Periscope if We'll you do guys, this more often We're yeah. going to do this more often Lots of good stuff coming forward. Yes. June, or uh, September 30th. September 30th. So we are finally, I've obviously been pretty busy. Lately, I've been having a lot of shit going on, um, to say good the least. Shit. A lot of good shit, a lot of shit, a lot of things that are just happening in my life. Um, so we're trying to work out some stuff. Uh, I have practically everything worked out. Andrew and I have been working on the, the details of this, um, the event. We will release tickets this week. Make sure this is still happening, 100% still happening. So uh, September 30th, and I guarantee, Scott Reining guarantee, we will be in the thick of a pennant race. It will be a very meaningful game. I'm having, I'm having Greg Gerard jinx flashbacks, dude. Uh, I don't jinx things. Did you see Greg you Bird coming things. back? Uh, we're we're got to talk about Greg Bird. Greg okay. Bird is coming back yes, next we, week, maybe. We, that's, what, that's what people if, say. If I'm Greg Bird, I'm not giving a timetable on anything. It's not him doing it. Everybody else is doing it. Hoke tweeted that Greg Bird thinks he can be back next week. Oh, boy. 
if you're if I'm Greg Bird, I am keeping my mouth shut and I am going out there and just trying to produce the best of my abilities. Susan Waldman said he's hitting the crap. ball like like he used like the right. old Greg Bird. Who, if that's a thing. <clears throat> last night Sterling is, is 2015 second half the old Greg Bird. Last night Sterling had the Yankees lineup for the next ten years of Judge Bird. Sanchez, righty lefty righty, thirty home runs each every year. I mean that's that's how that's how it's written, right? That's how it needs to be. You say it's Scott Reining here, that's a John Sterling guarantee. Take that to the bank. Better. Alright, stay tuned for the stat segment. Periscope, thanks for joining. Deep down they jealous. That'll never sell us what they used to tell us. Shout out to all the fake fans, to the dreamers that can make plans. Joining us on the podcast now is It's Your Boy Dom. You heard him a couple weeks ago. That was actually the episode, Scott, when you just had Kemp. Yes. So, Dom, welcome back. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back on. So, what we're going to do is a quick stat segment like we did last time. I think the people were calling for it. You were you were a big success on the first one. Cool. Love to hear it. <laughs> All right. We want to get into it? Yeah, I'll get right into it. Why not? So, um, obviously, first and foremost, I guess we'll go with Chapman. Um, he continues to struggle. It started with him work, walking those first three batters on Friday night. The last 23 batters he had faced before that, no walks, no earned, 8Ks. He squeaks his way out of a base loaded, nobody out jammed. He, thanks, uh, he can thank Aaron Hicks for that one. And then he gives up the home run to Devers, blows the save on Sunday night, and then obviously last night gives up another homer to a rookie. Um, the home run to Devers is actually the first he's given up to a left-handed batter uh, since some dude named Luke Scott in 2011. The Orioles. I remember yeah, Luke Scott. Yeah, I remember the Luke Scott. Orioles. Really? Yeah, he yeah. played for the Baltimore See, Orioles. This is then an I, age thing. Then I think he went to – I think he might have uh, had a cup of coffee I mean, with the Blue Jays. Yeah. I was like 14 in 2011. <laughs> God so. damn it. That's your prime. <laughs> That's your sports prime. You're supposed to remember everything at that point. Then I guess I'm going to get grilled for that one, huh? Mm. <laughs> but uh, but uh, that's yeah, that's a long time without giving up a home run. That was his fourth blown save of the year, most blown saves in his career since 2013, which he gave up five. That's his career high. And so it's really looking like he's going to probably uh, exceed that. Hopefully not, but uh, things aren't looking too hot. Um, and then Rosario took him the other way on a slider right field. Um, both of these homers were the first that he's given up since the Rajay Davis homer in game seven. And the biggest thing for me with Chapman, I don't know about you guys, but as soon as he stepped into that game Friday, it was a big moment, debatably as big, and obviously not as big as World Series Game 7, but like first time in the thick of a pennant race, Yankee Red Sox, and he did not look comfortable. So what you're saying is, is that, that Chapman is soft, not built for the, for the big lights, the prime time, the, the October cold, ready-to-go baseball? Is that what you're saying? Sounds yeah, like that's I'm, what you're saying. I'm saying he quacks in the big moment. He's not a he's not a big moment guy. Well, that's not good news. Uh, that, that's not that's not something we need to look forward to. I'll tell you one thing that was surprising to me, just looking at these these numbers and hearing what you had said. Uh, you know, I'm a big eyeball test guy. I'm a big you know I, I like to see what I uh, I like to make assessments off of what I see. And when you said that the last 23 batters he faced, the fact that he had no walks, no earned runs, AKs, that was surprising to me because what I can remember is, is Chapman struggling. So kind of like. The Tanaka numbers, but completely opposite uh, of what we Andrew and I just talked about. The uh, those numbers were surprising to me. I actually thought they'd be worse. Well, you know what it is with Chapman. Um, he for a while he couldn't get in a rhythm. Right, he came back from the DL and they were using him sporadically. The Yankees didn't have many leads. They couldn't even get to Chapman. So, but once they started using him more regularly, I think he kind of found a rhythm. 
But, uh, yeah, like you said, Dom, Friday night he comes in and he walks the bases loaded. Are you kidding me? How do you walk the bases loaded? See, that's the problem. The fact that he didn't uh, walk anybody for 23 batters before um, that before Friday night is is just crazy to me because uh, dude has been. It seems like all year he's been all over the place. It seems like in my head yes. that his control has not been there for the long term. So that was extremely surprising. Dom, I know you have a stat in here about contact percentage because that I think is the biggest thing with him. So what is that? Yeah, he had a pretty drastic increase since the start of the 2016 season. At the beginning of the 2016 season, he had a 69.7 contact rate, and that's now up to a 79.8 contact rate as of last night. So I think what it boils down to is that you know anybody can hit that 103-mile-an-hour fastball when it's at the belt, you know, right down Main Street. And then if he continues to fail in locating the slider and the changeup, he's just going to get hit. But again, again like you said— he faces the 23 batters. He looks like he's on a roll. We're going to face the Red Sox. It's a huge game, huge series. And then he just gives it up. I, I It's hard to pinpoint. So this might be a stupid question, but is contact percentage any time a batter makes contact, even if it's a foul ball? Yes, yeah. Contact so rate. That is also just means more pitches, more deeper counts, more everything, because he's not getting, he's not getting swings and misses. 10% is a significant number. Especially when you're... It's a significant number also because, I mean, he's a closer. The The amount of batters that he's he's facing, the the type of pitcher that he is, I mean, he's always been a swing and miss guy. So when you're missing by 10%, it's a large difference because that's what, you're, that's what you've made your mark on. That's what you've made your career on is swing and miss. And like you said, and we've talked about this for countless times and countless episodes about the fact that everybody now has a guy who throws 100 miles an hour. So a lot of these minor league guys, this isn't anything new when they come up to the majors. They've seen 100. They've seen, you know, 100 plus before. You got to have the location. You got to have that second. And most of the time, you got to have that third pitch. But especially that second pitch, you need to be able to locate it. And the batter needs to think and fear that second pitch as much as your your fastball. Or they're just going to sit. Especially if you're missing the location, they're sitting dead red. Absolutely. And now we see his ERA jump up to 3.89. And when I was going through the numbers today, I was like, hmm, you know what? What is Tyler Clippers at? And Tyler Clippert has a 4.18 ERA, which is dangerously close. But he, Tyler Clippert has a 0.5 war, which is higher than Chapman. Who has well, a that, so I saw you tweet that out today. And that's a great like tweet to, to put out there because it's headline grabbing. But also remember oh, <laughs> that, that Chapman missed – what was it, like a month of the season? It was a month, yeah. Chapman's not been good, but Clippert has been dog oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Clippert's thrown like 47 innings. I think Chapman's thrown about 34.2, I want to say. Clippert's now going to take Houston to the World Series, right? He's on oh, Houston yeah. now? You didn't know. Scott's been Scott's – been When the hell did that happen? He got traded to Houston. Why did Houston want him? So my nightmare <laughs> is the Yankees versus Astros in the playoffs, and Clippert beats the Yankees in like a big spot. That is literally my nightmare. I could see it happening. I can see, totally that, see that happening. All right, what you got next? Uh, yeah, so despite Chapman's struggles, the rest of the bullpen has been pretty unreal. Chad Green is the leader in war at 1.5. 71 Ks and 48.2 innings pitch is pretty ridiculous. That's filthy. Filthy, absolutely filthy. He's made a big jump since he got called up. Um, Adam Warren's the same way. He's Mr. Consistent. Um, 50 innings pitch to 1.80 ERA. And then D. Rob and Canley, since the trade, have both been solid, a 1.32 ERA and a 1.64 ERA, respectively, there. And then Batan says, um, you know, 
a lot of people I think on Twitter are like, oh my God, because he's, he's just like Chapman where like it's a heart attack when he comes in because he has those 33 walks in the 45 innings pitched. But he's been really, really good as of late. Um, so on the year now, he's got 79 Ks and 45 innings pitched. Um, but now I think the biggest debate that everybody's kind of having across Yankees Twitter and that I know you guys just had on the Periscope is who do you bring in uh, in, the, in the closer role? Yeah, like I was saying, like all those numbers laid out, those are all closer caliber numbers. Every one of them. Yeah. So, that's why there's no right answer. That's why it doesn't it doesn't need to be one guy. It can be whomever is hot, whomever well, is ready. It can be a it can be a not, committee. Don't say it. It's not gonna be. Don't say it. But it can be. It's not gonna be a closer by committee. Girardi can't manage a bullpen when there is a closer. If he has a committee, are you freaking kidding me? The bottom line is, is that they got they have the personnel to to put anybody in that ninth inning. The fact that Potantis has done it before, the fact that D-Rob has done it before, obviously put them on the forefront. To me, the the answer is one of those two. It's it's a it's a it's a three-headed monster. Well, we say answer. Um, I don't think they're taking Chapman. They're out. not going to. Dom, do you think do you think they're taking Chapman out of the out of the closer? No, absolutely and by they, not. Girardi. Well, no, yeah, that's absolutely not. I I heard Scott saying earlier on in the podcast. You know, he calls him Chappy, like he's buddy buddy. He's got the eighty six million dollar price tag on him. I just don't see him coming out of that role. And I think Chapman's good enough. Where yeah, sure he can turn it around. But I mean, every sign is pointing the other way. And you have D Rob, who basically replaced Mariano uh, and did a good job um, for the for the Yanks when when he was gone and when he was hurt with the ACL tear way back when. Um, so uh, yet again. I don't think you can go by a committee because I think uh, Joe Girardi would have a like a aneurysm looking at that binder trying to figure that out. All right, what did, what do we got next? So Sonny Gray, nine straight starts of at least six innings pitched and two earned or less. Uh, all three have been with the his last three have obviously been with the Yanks. The only person with more in a row is Aaron Nola. He's got ten, and he also just edged out Scherzer, um, who had eight. Um, finally picks up his first win as the Yanks score four times as many runs as they did the first two times he took them out for them. No defensive so, debacles. Hold on. Four times as many. They, so they scored zero before. So they scored zero runs. So <laughs> Yeah, that's just a big exaggeration right there. I try to make that sound as uh, exaggerated as possible. <laughs> four times but, zero uh, is zero, though. But the, the earned runs thing. Right, like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Not a big math guy, just a big stat. Uh, it's all good, man. We, we, we all knew what you meant. <laughs> the uh, so, earned runs thing, though, is like is crazy because Sonny Gray has been bitten by unearned runs all season. Yeah, yeah, he has been. I I know what what did they have three in, three errors in that first game? Was, yeah, and he in the first inning. He's first I think game. I think we talked about thirteen unearned runs on him this season, which is the most in the majors. We all we all thought that, or Sonny Gray at least thought that when he came to the New York Yankees, a contender, one that's that's you know vying for a a pennant and definitely a wild card that he would get some, some uh, support behind him. Uh, granted, it didn't start out well with those, all those errors in the first inning of his first start, but um, you can see what kind of a pitcher is. The bottom line is the guy, the, the numbers that you threw out there uh, that he's got nine straight starts of six innings pitch and two earned Like that's exactly what you want. That is, that is the epitome of a quality start and, and a guy that we, the Yankees absolutely need at the top of the rotation to solidify. That's consistency. Yeah. And that's something that, like, uh, Scott and I talked in the first part of this this podcast about how Tanaka's numbers overall look decent, but, like, he's not been consistent. So you yeah. can never go out there and rely on Tanaka to give you a quality start. Whereas Sonny Gray, 
you can at least assume he'll go out there and be who Sonny He's Ray got is. a baseline, whereas Tanaka was really um, like all hardcore ebb and flow. Yeah, it was all over the place. And you cannot have that for a guy, especially when you're going into the potential of us playing on a wild card, maybe a one-game play-in. That, that's pretty much what it is. And, uh, I mean, you can't rely on a guy like that. So the fact that some, you know kind of what Sonny Gray is going to give you, Severino, I, I, I think there's a decision to be made, obviously down the road, knocking on wood. Um, that if there was a game like that, that that would be a very tough uh, decision to make between Sonny Gray and Severino. So you also have some uh, some stats on his strikeouts and, and specifically his slider? Yeah, his slider is clearly uh, his best pitch, I think. It gets him the strikeouts, and it can be attributed to the high ground ball percentage, which is uh, 56% for Sonny. Um, and hitters this year against a slider hitting 148 with 13 hits, one homer, 48 Ks. Slider accounts for 43% of his strikeouts this year, so uh, that seems like his outpitch. Yeah, and uh, there was a, I saw, you have in the notes as well, and I, I saw this interview after the game when he was in the locker room talking about that slider, and, you know, it didn't seem like anything was different. Like, he just kept throwing it. They were at, some of the beat guys were asking him if he had changed anything, if he had mechanically, and, and it was a, the answer was no. Just kind of stuck with it. And I think this is still the process of, of um, you know, when we talk to, um, Joe was that his name? Joe from uh, Oakland about Sonny Gray and how he was hurt over the past couple of years. It seems like he's still trying to find a lot of these secondary pitches and, and at least get the uh, the feel back for that slider. And this is a hell of a this is a hell of good news knowing that that slider is coming around because he's got four pitches and when the slider's going as well, that's uh, that's dominant stuff. So he's throwing the slider a lot, but can Gary Sanchez catch it? That's a good question. That's probably the best question. Yeah. True. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Gary Sanchez, and the, beautiful segue. And the answer is no. Me. The answer is no. That's, that is a professional segue by me. Dom, what do we have next? Very professional. So since August 1st, Gary is 15 for 44 with a 341 batting average, a 1165 OPS, three doubles, five homers, eight RBIs. Um, it looks like he's on his way, or uh, he he won't repeat last year's August. But I mean, if he can even, he's almost halfway there, honestly. So um, you know, you got to hope that happens. Last year, 389 in August with 11 homers, 21 RBIs, and with his homer, um, I guess two nights ago when he hit when he hit his 20th, um, that marked him as with just him and Johnny Bench as catchers with multi-20 homer seasons before the age of 24. So he's in real good company there. I think we need a little perspective on Gary Sanchez because we've gotten on him a lot. He's gotten criticized a lot for his catching and also people complain about his mountain visits all the time. He missed a month of the season and his offensive numbers are up there with the best catchers like in the league. So I think we need a little perspective on where Gary Sanchez is at this point in his career. As a player, you mean? Yeah, as a player. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, look, I, I know we get frustrated with him behind the plate, and I think it's it's less because of the errors, the actual physical errors, but more because of the lackadaisical way they happen. Yeah. Because the it looks terrible. And when, when you're looking at a guy who doesn't seem to give a lot of effort behind the plate, when there's balls that he easily should block, then it's not the error, it's not the actual fact that the ball's going by him, it's the fact that he didn't get down and do it. And, and to me, that's an effort thing. So... It's more of a mental makeup, and I think that's why he, he's getting ripped on it. If it was a, you know, a balls that, if there were a lot of balls going by him and they were almost justified or looked like he was giving a lot of effort, I think it would be a different story. But you're right. He's a young guy. He's mashing the ball, and he still has a hose and can throw out guys, and he's working on his craft. I get it. It doesn't, it doesn't escape the fact that we, you know, we have to get on him for that defense, but he is hitting 
And we all know that Gary is scary. Second half, humidity. He loves it. So that's it. I mean, hopefully he keeps it going back. Well, it's humid down in the Dominican. So that's why it's hey, so August weather. That's what I'm saying. This is natural climate. <laughs> natural climate. All right, what's so, the, um, what do we have for the last stat here? Yeah, Judge ties Adam Dunn's strikeout streak. Um, I was curious to see how the numbers matched up, and Dunn had a better, a way better span, but uh, he wound up hitting 204 on the year. So uh, Dunn went 27 for 111, um, a 243 batting average, eight doubles, 10 homers, 25 RBIs, 25 walks, 47 Ks. Judge has gone 20 for 110, uh, hitting 182 with only two doubles, six homers, 13 RBIs, and 29 walks, and also 54 strikeouts. So It's pretty crazy that it actually did take them almost the exact same amount of at-bats to get to this point as well. The, uh, the numbers are staggering, in all honesty, and, and we would be crushing Aaron Judge right now if he had even a decent first half. But the fact that he came out and was Captain America, Mr. Mr. I can't do anything wrong in the first half, triple crown Aaron Judge, uh, is, is why he's bought so much of, a, of an extended leash from Yankees fans. So Judge barely made the starting right fielder job. He was competing with Aaron Hicks. Say Judge had this start to his season this year. Yeah. He'd probably be back. He definitely he would have been be, back in AAA. Definitely be Absolutely. back in AAA and his major league career probably would never get off the ground. Crazy. Crazy timing. But look, I have confidence personally. I don't think he's ever going to get back to that. I think that, that was the historic. first half was like insanity. Historic. Yes. And... He's not that player. Do I think he can be close to that player? Yeah, I do. I don't think he's going to hit for average. I, I was That was probably the biggest shock for me was the fact that he hit for average at that time. Um, the numbers are going to be there. The power numbers are going to be there. The, the runs batted in are going to be there. The walks are going to be there. But he's not going to hit. He's going to strike out a ton. And he's probably going to be, I always thought he would be like a 260, 270 hitter at best. That's fine though. Right. I, you can totally live it. That literally right there, you're talking 270, 280 in that range. That's Dave Winfield. Because he's also... He's yep. also taking walks, which is, I think, important that he still has, like, 29 walks over this span, even though he can't hit the ball. He physically can't hit – he doesn't put the ball in play anymore. Yeah. He either strikes out, hits a, hits it over the fence, or walks. So the ball is never among the fielders. <laughs> right. It's insane. Yep. Good job, Good job Dom. Way to come back. Thanks. Strong follow-up performance. So, Dom, so did you have this, like, stats, like, nerdy type of thing in you before this podcast, or did you just feel like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the stats head-on here? Um, a little bit, I guess. It's kind of hard to say, but then I just kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of like it. doing it. I'm all up in the fan graphs, the baseball reference. I'm a full-blown nerd. I love, I love it. it. All right, we appreciate it, Dom. Well, I'm sure you'll yep. be back on uh, pretty soon. Guys, uh, thanks for thanks for listening to this episode. Tweet us at Yankees Podcast. You can submit mailbag questions at bronxpinstripes.com slash mail uh, slash podcast. Remember, we uh, we're gonna do the voicemail line 646-480-0342. But also come strong with those those mailbags. Because yeah, I call people time, out, I call people out for the for the voicemails before and they delivered in a big right. way. So we're calling people out for the mailbags because we gotta get stronger there. Uh, any last words, Scott? Yeah, I am going to the game on Friday night. I will be at Fenway Park, which is literally a stone's throw away from my, where I'm sleeping every day right now. And I will, uh, I will, I guarantee I'll bring a lot of video and do all sorts of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. I really hope that we sweep the Mets in city as well and go into that game strong. Maybe the Red Sox lose a couple and we're within striking distance again. So big, big, big series this weekend. All right, we'll catch you guys in a few days. Let's go.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.